Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, and this is a happy, hippie place where magic with a K meets the law of attraction. Hi, thanks for joining me for episode 338 of Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. My name is Joanna DeVoe, and I am the cookie creatrix behind Kick-Ass Witch, putting the K in magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and all that good shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com or back on the description page for this episode, back on Blog Talk Radio, where you will also find a link to the super magical all kinds of dazzling guests we have on the show today. Welcome, Benabelle Wen, again. Hi, Joanna. I'm so happy to be back. I'm one of your biggest fans. Yay, it's so mutual. <laughs> <laughs> I know everybody's really excited about this because I hear from them. I know they love you. So this Aww. is, it feels like a gift. It feels like a gift to my audience because I know they love you so much. <laughs> That's so sweet. Mm. And I, I have not listened to our previous interview, which was a while ago, so if, if there's some repetition here, so be it. Exactly. I think it's interesting to see how people, myself included in this, we ch you change. Like, you can ask someone the same question in 2016 and then ask it again in 2018 and get a completely different answer. Yeah, so my my answers will probably change because I'm so fickle. And so, you know, they'll be like, wait, that's not what she said a year ago. Yeah, well, you know, deal with it. So, Are you really, though? Because I was just, like, kind of stalking you online to get my thoughts together around this. And I'm like, there's a consistency here, even in, like, the name of your Twitter handle is Tarot Analysis. And <laughs> yeah. here you are, like... Going on this tarot journey, which is really why I bugged you to do this interview, because it's blowing my mind, and uh, I don't know if you heard the last episode here, but I referred to you as an alien from another oh. planet, because uh -huh. I'm like, how is this lady? I don't understand how... Let's talk about this. How sure. are you so productive? I don't get it. Um, I, People always ask me that question. I think there's a lot of different things to it. For, for one, I had a very Spartan upbringing as a child. So ever since I was a kid, every minute of my life was, was filled with doing something that was extremely structured and disciplined. And so I think it, I've gotten to a point where now that I've left the nest, if I have any moment of free time, I actually feel strange because I've never had free time in all of my life. You know what I'm saying? I've never had any downtime. So downtime doesn't feel right to me. Um, and then I think beyond that, it's just, you know, I, I know how to feel each moment. So I wake up and I start thinking about, I'm always planning my next hour during the present hour. And so I think that helps too, to keep very structured. Wow. I mean, I'm having to work so hard at that. I, I have Capricorn rising. And for mm -hmm. me, just my experience of it, I know this is different than usually how it's presented. But to me, my ascendant is something I've had to grow into. I had no discipline. I had no structure. <laughs> uh, like I was just like a foofy, floaty, artsy fartsy person, like moving from whim to whim for the most of my adult life in my twenties and my thirties. And, and then I found Saturn and now I'm trying to catch up with you, Benabelle. What's, inter what's interesting about Capricorn rising is that, you know, I think the perception 
from outside in is that they're very structured or disciplined. But I think what it really is in terms of the innate energy is that they're very willful. Like if they want to do something, they go for it. So you see how that can in some instances be perceived as discipline. But what it really is, is that you think of something, you do it. And so that actually fits in with what you just said. Huh. Very interesting. I'm willful. I have always been that. That is true. Yeah, like if you think of something to do and I say, you know, Joanna, don't do that. There's nothing like you're just going to do it. You know, there's really no one there to stop you from doing whatever gets planted into your head. So mm. That's mm. very cap rising. I, I should say, too, since you're throwing that out, like one of the many, many things that I would consider you an expert in is astrology. But you also talk a lot about numerology, feng shui, tarot, I Ching, shadow work, uh, <laughs> with a sprinkling of law, because I don't know if you're still active, but, but yes. you are a corporate attorney. I'm still active. I'm a full-time in-house attorney, so I still work full-time. Help me, Jesus. I'm literally talking to an alien right now. I'm, I know it. This is not possible, because you're also an author. <laughs> You know, what's interesting is whenever people say that, I always say, well, think, just think about the last 24 hours, how many moments you were, you know, just doing nothing where you were sitting there, you know, waiting for, for example, waiting for your coffee to be made or, or waiting in line or just playing with your phone, watching, you know, senseless videos on YouTube. I never do that by itself. In any moment of waiting, I'm doing something productive toward, you know, that quote unquote great work or toward my goals and ambitions. So I never have, you see what I'm saying? I'm always multitasking my leisure with something that is toward the end goal of my aspirations. So then when you do that, you fill every hour of 24 or 12 hours and you know, you just have more time in the day than people think. Yeah. I want to give a shout out to my fellow parents too, because I feel like a, being a parent is its own kind of full-time job. <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah. I'm a, I'm a multitasker with the fun too. Like I, one of my favorite things to do is um, I, I tend to listen to YouTube videos instead of watch them, yes. uh, kind of like podcasts. Me so uh, if anybody ever sees my Pinterest blowing up, I'll tell you why that is. It's because I will listen to someone talking and then I just sit there pinning like a maniac. So I have, um, it's not really productive, but it's enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing two fun things at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. What is your astrology? Why do you do you think this is really a product of nurture, like growing up, like you said, in a very Spartan environment with a focus on that? Or do you think there's an astrological component? Well, astrologically, I'm Aquarius rising, sun sign Libra, moon sign Leo. Um, I, I find that that nature is more toward, you know, why I enjoy different kinds of creative endeavors and why I like to sort of take on many different, you know, a broad scope of topics like astrology, numerology, phone. So, you know, like I like to do a lot and I think that is reflected in my nature. Yeah. I think too, this is something interesting. I hope you don't mind diving into this productivity thing. I get a lot of questions about that. Um, and so I thought, well, you're the person to ask about this because you literally are the most prolific person I can think of. And um, I'm wondering about fear because it seems like you have a very fast turnover from that first spark of inspiration to the manifestation of it. Like it seems I... like you move through the process very quickly, which I think requires a lot of faith and trust in in your own voice and who you are. 
Yeah, I think you bring up such a good point. I'm so glad you said that because that is true. Um, okay, here's the thing. I don't have any fear. And one thing is we are also afraid. So it's, what's weird is we are afraid to be fearless because we're afraid that if we trust in ourselves, it's perceived as arrogance or it's being egotistical. So I think that fundamentally, I actually am very arrogant and egotistical. And so because of that, I'm fearless. You know, I, I sort of fundamentally assume everything I have, this sounds so fucked up, but I just assume everything I have is brilliant. And then I, do you see what I'm saying? Like, yes, it's fucked up, but it's not fucked up because I'm saying that because that's what gives me the fearlessness and the faith and the conviction to drive forward. I never sit there and, and, and waste, you know, half a year mulling and doubting whether or not, you know, this is a good idea. If I want to do it, I just go for it. I assume that it's brilliant. Do you know what I'm saying? See, that is so, that like (laughs) defies your Libra sun. Because I think Libras are the fence sitters of the universe. Like we can sit there and weigh the pros and cons. I'm a Libra. We can sit there and weigh the pros and cons of something forever. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's the shadow. I mean, I did that too. I think that's the shadow side of Libra. But then when you integrate that shadow side of Libra, the positive is that you have such a broad spectrum of knowledge because Libras like to sort of, you know, the jack of all trades, master of none. So if you can overcome that shadow, you can in effect become the master of all trades. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of the Libra potential. But I mean, it does require integrating that shadow side of the Libra where you are kind of finicky. Yeah, I think... I really want people to take away from this, if nothing else, what you were saying about about fear. And you may be fearless, but for a lot of us who have a lot of fear, I think courage. Just embrace courage. Feel the fear and do it anyway and act as if. <laughs> Listen to Benavel say, like, I just think it's awesome because it's coming out of my brain. <laughs> Pretend like it's awesome because it's coming out of your brain and just make it happen. But I think that's so important. It's because the reason we have such fear is we're afraid what people might think of it. Or we go, oh, well, maybe I think it's brilliant, but everyone else is going to think it's a stupid idea. And I think that is so disabling. And it's more important to sort of just, you know, trust your own instincts. For example, you see even in deck creation, right? you see a lot of people say, oh, which is better, A or B? Should I do this? Should I do that? Do you prefer this color? I think you need to trust yourself and really, you know, listen to your higher muses and not listen to what other people's opinions are and we're too afraid of going in and listening to the higher muses rather than other people for some reason we put more value on other people than we do our own divine self this is already one of the best podcasts in the history of podcasting (laughs) (laughs) so good so good and you mentioned deck creation so that's really mainly what i wanted to talk to you about and again this is a perfect example of you moving through the manifestation process so quickly because I remember when you posted something about like I wonder I can't remember I'm totally paraphrasing from memory but it was something like I wonder you know I'm thinking wouldn't it be interesting to create your own personal tarot deck that nobody ever sees and it's just chock full of symbolism and then everybody piled on like oh do it and then you're doing it and then you're like but this is just for me and everybody's like no but we want it too and are 78 cards illustrated already yeah it's all done right now i'm also i'm right now i'm getting price codes from manufacturers and just doing the logistics and i've already finished the um uh, scanning in of the high-res images. I did the final finishing touches on the original drawings. And so now I'm just looking for a manufacturer. 
unbelievable unbelievable and they're so intricate they are what are you using to draw i'm using pen and ink so first i use pen everything is by hand and i use a straight edge compass ruler and like just i wanted to go back to basics and really think about how to do this manually and in not saying like the way they would do in the medieval times you know i do have a, you know like it is a plastic ruler not like wood or something but you know trying to go back to basics nothing digitalized everything that has to be manually um executed and so i use pen and ink and i use pencil to do the outline and that's it and it's rich with symbolism. It's very intricate. Oh, thank you. So detailed, tiny little details. And uh, the, I have questions. Is it okay if I question you about Please. this deck? Okay, so but you're doing one card that just really jumped out at me because if you, you've been posting them in batches kind of, so people can see three in a row or like a little grid. And you posted, I think it was the aces. Mm-hmm. And it just caught my eye because there's like a dark spot in one of them, you know, because there's a lot of white space, white space, and then there's this dark spot. I was like, what is that? So my eye just gravitated toward it. And it's the ace of, of orbs. Of orbs. Ace yes. of pentacles, yeah. And so instead, I want to ask you about that. Why orbs instead of pinnacles? But also, this card is pretty unique within the context of the whole deck. Mm -hmm. So I, I have to ask you about it. It's so intriguing. Well, the four um, aces represent the four stages of the alchemical process, but they also represent the four sacred relics, which is um, the, the lance of destiny, the spirit of the sword, the holy grail, and the bread of life, which I sort of interpret as each person's individual recipe for the bread of life. And so the ace of orbs represent that. Now, the reason I say orbs is because this deck is in many ways sort of like the occultists or the magician's deck. And so they, they kind of represent the different tools. I know pentacles is you know, the more common, you know, tool in a lot of Western traditions, but I wanted something a little bit more universal and go back what's behind the um, pentacle, what's behind that concept of the earth. And the orb is for, for some, and also the orb represents one of the sacred relics. When you talk about emperors and empresses, they have the scepter and the orb, right? So the orb is about temporal dominion, but it's also spiritual dominion because the orb is like, kind of like, you know how you begin the cone of power or when, when you begin manifestation from something that's spiritual or psychic into something physical and tangible it's through a, an orb of energy right and so that's why i went with the orb instead of the pentacle because this isn't just about oh money matters and physical stuff it's more about you know manifesting what is un unmaterial into what's material that's interesting that that see your brain is advanced that's the thing let me break it down for people who are brand new to magic like what is the first thing you learn when you first learn magic is how to make an energetic ball you yes, know and you yes. can feel the energy in a ball like it's is that just not the first thing we all learn where you rub your hands together and then you slowly pull them apart and you create that orb of that's energy orb. Yes. yeah yeah, I just wanted to put that out there because that was a very fascinating <laughs> and the, okay, rich and then definition. The, 
And then all of the different languages, the ancient languages on the wall of the cave before you get to that big black thing. The idea of that is um, the the different I, I I did a lot of research for that and looked into the the most ancient languages, the first languages of civilization and, and took actual words from those different languages, Aramaic, Phoenician, um, uh, Oracle Bone Script and so on. And, and, and hieroglyphics and they were so you know how in the beginning there was the word you know and the word is what we use to channel energy with the orb into something that's manifested and so mm-hmm. that's why word is important and then in the opening of the four worlds in the kabbalah it's from air to earth right and so air is you know words logos communications so it's sort of the the breath of air beginning that's why it's on the wall of the cave but what's more important is inside the cave is the orb with the sacred geometry and it's dark because the um the alchemical process associated with the pentacles or earth is the darkening and so it's about darkening to find the light fascinating i think it's interesting that you keep saying the word relic too because the first vibe i got was a little bit uh i hope this isn't insulting now that I hear it coming out of my mouth. It felt a Not little. It felt a little Indiana Jones to me, but in a good way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. But that is that's actually the path of the the occultist, though. It is kind of Indiana Jones in the sense that we're we're seeking out our great work. We're seeking out the philosopher's stone, the holy grail, and then what does the holy grail mean for each one of us as individuals? So yeah, it is absolutely Indiana Jones. Yeah. Wow, this is such a special deck. So can we go back to the beginning also for, you know, you first had that spark. Like, wouldn't it be neat if you made your own deck just for yourself to Mm -hmm. the process of, like, can you share the process of how you got to where you are now from that original speaking of just a spark of inspiration turning into a manifestation? Well, it's okay. So it's so weird because... Like if I'm trying, if I'm being natural and unfiltered, it feels really magical and channeled and and a lot of things aligned with astrology as well. But then because I think I do have such a strong sort of, you know, wow, you have to be logical side. I'm like, oh, that doesn't make sense. I don't have any proof of that. Right. And so it's really hard for me to explain. But I think a lot of it felt very sort of divinely driven. And I think one of the reasons I finished it in about a month and a half it's because I couldn't stop. Anytime I wanted to take a break or do something else, like I actually like fought with myself. If that makes like it felt like there was like a driving like tyrant saying, "Go do this, do it, do it, do it." And then like I was like, "I don't want to. I want to go watch you know TV." But you know, it kept forcing me to do this, and it came out of my hands really quickly because I think everything sort of have has always been in my mind. And then once I made the decision to create the deck, it just funneled in very very quickly. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it, it bottlenecked for so long that. That's why it seemed like it was really quick, but it wasn't quick because it actually took my entire lifetime to get to this point. Um, it was originally just for myself, and which is why it was every single card is actual tarot card size. So it's actually pretty small, right? And then when I finished, my husband, James, actually looked at the, he's like, holy sh- fucking shit. You know, he's like, you need to publish this deck. I'm like, oh, I don't want to really go through the process. And he said that he would do all of like the packing and, and shipping and waiting in lines at the post office. And I was like, well, if that's that's the case and I'll go I'll go ahead and do it yay James yeah because I was not gonna do it. I was like I'm the only reason I didn't want to self-publish is because I did not want to sit there like at the post office in line with like you know a wagon of, of boxes you know what I'm saying girl and then- <laughs> I feel you I've been there my first business that I started in 2003 I sold physical products like t-shirts and handbags and stuff and I was like 
this is not the life for me. I just want to, <laughs> I just want to make this stuff. Yeah, I want to create sort of, I, I like the creativity aspect of, of all this work. But then when it came down to like, oh, now I have to like do an accounting sheet. And now I have to, what? No, thank you. <laughs> so Yes, yeah. Well, I'm sure you already have customers lined up around the block with their money, like, take my money. <laughs> I know they're, I know they're there. I've seen them already. Like, when is it coming out? We're ready. We're ready. <laughs> so you're just going to self-publish this, right? Yeah, because I think I want the control. Um, I'm pretty familiar with the traditional publishing process, not just, you know, in terms of my own personal experience, but I'm also a lawyer. And so I've helped negotiate the publishing contracts for like a lot of authors and deck creators of all different genres. And so because of that familiarity with the publishing process, I kind of knew that this was too personal. Like it was just so personal that I felt like I couldn't emotionally detach from some of the critical decisions, you know, mm -hmm. and in, in publishing, whether or not you think, no matter how much clout you have, there is a lot of control you do have to give up just by necessity of the publisher needing to have that control to make the big business decisions, right? And so I knew in the conflict between business and creativity, creativity always had to win out. And for that to happen, I needed to have control. And the only way to do that is self-publishing. And then your your two books, Holistic Tarot and The Tao of Craft, those actually are traditionally published, right? Right. Those are through North Atlantic Books. And they're fat. And again, <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Like You're like, I like to just do all these things, but also there is a through line to all of this. It all really comes under that umbrella of independent metaphysician, mm -hmm. which you have. I remember talking about that when we spoke before. I was like, why did you, why did you call yourself that? Um, and it really just suits all these different things you do as an occultist. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I, I don't like to follow a specific rigid tradition. And I, there were opportunities throughout my life to, to, to sort of initiate into established traditions. And I just kind of, I've always felt like that just really wasn't for me. Um, you know, I, I don't want to be in a situation where, oh, today everybody's wearing orange pants. You have to wear orange pants. You know, like I, I just, you don't, you know what I'm saying, right? Yes. And so like, I just, you know, well, I, I, I'm not an orange pants kind of person. And so I, I felt like that independent metaphysician, like, you know, model was the best for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess we should tell people the name of this deck too. Spirit Keepers Tarot. Spirit Keepers Tarot. And I love the companion guide is already happening. Again, mind-blowing woman. Uh, and that's called the Book of Maps, which I really right. love as well. The idea of the deck is mainly um, a compendium of beneficent immortals or spirits. And, you know, it, it, I, I did a lot of it, it. I talk about it as the angel tarot deck, but I sort of want to go beyond sort of the Abrahamic um, conceptions of angels. So obviously it's heavily, heavily influenced by Gnostic and Christian mysticism um, and Hermeticism as well. But, you know, I wanted to go back to where the whole concept of angels came from, and that's Zoroastrianism. So we look a lot into sort of the Zoroastrian approach to angelic beings. Fascinating. And let's, for people who don't know, you are Taiwanese American. So you yeah. have this great, you kind of come from a great magical tradition, but then also just because you're interested in so many things, it's fascinating to hear you say, I didn't want to be a part of a tradition, but you have a depth of knowledge about many. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, well, I come from an Eastern traditional background, you know, and so my, my family has always been in the Eastern mystical traditions, which I think the the fascinating thing about what I about my sort of life is that for much of my life, I rejected sort of the, the Eastern aspect of it. But you know how when you're fundamentally programmed to be interested in the occult, you're always interested in the occult. It just doesn't matter what you know what I'm saying. So I've always been interested in the occult, but I rejected sort of the Eastern aspects of it and gravitated toward the Western. And then sort of growing growing up and becoming more you know adult I realized oh why am I rejecting that and so finding a way to sort of integrate sort of that fundamental you know nurtured you know tradition in the east with what I've been studying my whole life has sort of been what I'm doing at the moment Mm. I understand that from a personal perspective but with God I feel like (laughs) fundamentally it was all about God 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 growing up and then I rejected the religion I grew up in, but I feel like I've just always been on this quest, like what is God and looking at it through all the different traditions. And I too, from growing up, you kind of come full circle and you start to appreciate what you were grown up in, even though you may not believe yeah. in it in the same way you did as a kid. So one of the things about this tarot deck, I think, you know, either people are either going to like it or they're actually going to hate it because of sort of the 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 sort of culture of paganism. Um, I do come from it from a very religious perspective. And I, I couldn't help, even though I don't subscribe to a specific religion, when you tap into particular energies and sort of the, the character of the deck, you couldn't help but be religious. And the whole thing was a religious experience for me. So it begins with a very fundamental conviction that there is a God, there is sort of a monad concept of a God, right. And then there's this idea of it's also pantheistic, but I began with that premise. And all of it is very much programmed toward the idea of working under that sense of a monotheistic God. Mm, Do you so you believe in a monotheistic God? I do, but it's not in the same way that people might assume in terms of how religions have talked about God. I think of God, so we are a single cell, and if we are, if you think of the body as above, so below, we are made in the image of God. How I interpret that is if you want to understand God, understand what you are as a physical entity. And so I would think of myself you know, in comparison to the body as a single cell, right? Now, as a single cell, I'm only limited to my, um, the, the scope of my surroundings. I might not even know what, what organ I'm part of, what system I'm part of, why am I this cell? What is the function of this single cell in the grander scheme of the physical universe? Now, God is actually the personality. You know how we we're the physical body, but we also have a soul and that soul, you know, the soul um, is sort of manifested or reflected in like our personality, our character traits, our emotions, things like that, our thoughts. And so God is all of that. You know, God is the soul that emanates out with emotions and thoughts. And what I am is the single cell in the physical body that's occupied by that soul, that God, trying to figure out where the hell am I? What am I doing? What's my purpose as a single cell? Yes, I've used that metaphor before. It's interesting, Mm -hmm. too, to think about like cancerous cells that end up attacking the body. And you see a lot of that kind of happening in the world today. Maybe always, maybe it's always been there. Um, This whole like good versus evil and stuff. When you think about it in terms of a body and us being individual cells, that starts to make more sense to me. 
Yeah, me too. And so I think of the devil as that cancerous concept. The devil is it, I, it's more intangible to me, and it's it kind of goes by goes by the rule of entropy. You know, the the sort of natural progression toward destruction. So the devil is just this sort of um, innate drive to destroy all things good like we all have it like you see someone who's really good really successful or has this you just want to punch the smile off someone's face like or you know that that feeling that drive is the devil you know and i think there's there there's that sort of inherent rivalry where you have this this drive to destroy something good to destroy that god destroy the personality and so as a single cell we experience that devil through not just sabotaging others when people are when we see a good thing that isn't ours but it's also self-sabotage a lot of us self-sabotage when things are good in our own lives and i think that's sort of what we call the devil at work so to speak yeah it's like an autoimmune condition you're attacking yourself quite literally you're self-sabotaging yourself and you're not recognizing that you're a part of the whole so in attacking attacking the cell next to you you're literally attacking yourself yeah absolutely yeah i love talking about this stuff (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, and I'm going to link to our previous uh, interview because that's now that I'm talking to you, I'm remembering we talked about like Chinese occult traditions and stuff. Everybody needs to go check that out, too, who hasn't heard it before. So I'm going to link to that as well. And what really got me excited about your work was the Metaphysicians Day Planner, which, again, it's just packed with stuff like so many ideas that I had never considered before and and you're talking about angels right now and it's making me think about uh I don't know if you're still doing this or if you're going to be doing another planner for 2019 are you yes I'll be doing the 2019 planner well you let us in the past like pick kind of a guiding like a spirit guide um Mine was, I think of her as, as the Queen of Swords, but she was the, gosh, I can't remember what she was. Lady of the Ninth Heaven. That's she, her. Sort of wings, where she's holding a sword in one hand. That's her. Yes. I you said Queen of Swords. I was like, yeah, I think I know what she's talking well, about. Well, that, that's, that's an energy I work with. Um, kind of as Athena, Queen of Swords, Justice, they're all kind of blurred up for me. Yeah. Uh, so that's why I selected that one. But hearing you talk about angels, that's another interesting thing that people have conflicting ideas about so I just thought it'd be fun to get your perspective on what is an angel wow that's a big <laughs> what's an angel well it's like um, what is god what you know <laughs> what is god right, right. It's, they're hard questions to answer <laughs> which is what makes them fun you are not throwing me any uh softballs are you <laughs> um I I think well Zoroaster said that the angel is a beneficent immortal. And um, when you look at how a lot of Eastern folk religions look at the concept of either an an angelic type of being or a a beneficent spirit, or even some people in Buddhism, some people make the equivalence between a bodhisattva and angel. Other people argue that's the wrong equivalence to make. That's a religious debate though, right? Um, But this idea of something on a celestial plane of some kind, right? Where you have this immortalized or like something that lives for many, many centuries, some kind of an energy that is celestial in nature that seeks the greater good, that um, seeks to help 
people when that help is going to serve a greater good toward that collective, which is toward God, right? It's it's basically, if you think of it as, as an energy that helps keep the whole physical body healthy so that the body can be healthy for the temple. That's the temple of God. And, you know, the individual cell may at times need individual help toward that greater collective good. And so an angel is some kind of a messenger that comes down and helps in those times to make sure that the entire physical body is operating in, in a healthy condition, if that makes any sense. Okay, yes. Yeah. So they're like the epigenetic helpers of the body, like yes. the, the vitamins and the minerals and the supplements. <laughs> <laughs> right, but they're, they're sort of, they're dosed, they're, they're like, you know, sort of supernatural doses of it. But, but when I say supernatural, it means it's not necessarily something that comes from just I'm not saying it's not a natural process, but you have sort of the natural cycle of things, right? Which is toward destruction, towards degeneration. So in that sense, in that specific sense, it's unnatural because it's trying to overcome the cycle of degeneration. Do you know what I'm saying? I do, but also <laughs> now that you're just giving me more questions, I like every okay. answer brings up more questions. What do you mean? You think, you think the natural cycle is just, because I think of it as, life death life death life death life death life death like that's the natural cycle but you're saying it's just death 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 <laughs> um no i think even so there's two cycles right there's the sort of natural cycle of life and death and then there's sort of this psychic spiritual cycle and i think the psychic spiritual cycle is the one that reflects um one of the metaphors we sort of have been using for all of for all ages is good versus evil. I don't think it's that simplistic, but I think that there's a kernel of truth in the concept of good versus evil. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. And so I don't think you should throw out the baby with the bathwater. I don't think it's so, oh, good versus evil, but I think there's something about, like, why do we think that? What's It's like, you know, when you see something and because you don't have the science and the knowledge, you oversimplify and you explain something very complex with an oversimplified answer, Oh my right? God, you just described my whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> And so it's like, if you ask me to explain the internet, I'm like, oh, you know, you just plug this thing in. Like, I can't explain the internet with any sophistication, right? And if you just hear my oversimplified explanation of the internet, it's wrong, but it's right. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. And so that's the same thing. I think good versus evil is a wrong explanation of it, but it's also right because there's something more sophisticated behind that oversimplified concept. And so the, the evil is as powerful as the good using those two words in this very sort of loose term like using the oversimplified language and so that's what i mean by toward destruction and so there's this sense of trying to pull back from that self-sabotage pull back from that greater psychic destruction if that makes any sense yes so that's way way beyond the sort of microcosmic cycle of life and death so they're two very do you see what i'm saying there's very separate there's the microcosmic almost in a sense, meaningless, continued cycle of life, death, life, death, life, death. But this is something much bigger. It's sort of the ultimate life, the ultimate death, if that makes any sense. Fascinating. It does. Okay. It makes me think, too, about, like, the spiritual journey, the psycho-spiritual <laughs> journey that I'm on. I find a lot of it, I just noticed this in my friends that do a lot of magic and ritual work. It's almost always releasing things, releasing that which no longer serves. But I have found too along my journey a lot of what I'm doing is dying I'm losing all of the ideas of who I thought I was and and this persona that I built up 
and all these protections I have in place to get closer to who I actually am. Oh, that's very interesting. I think personally as um, you know, an occultist, I've actually done very little in terms of craft toward releasing, releasing. I don't know why I, I don't really do a lot of that. Huh. Um, I do a lot of amplifying. So I, I don't release through magic. I, I do that through, through me, you know what I'm saying? Like I've never used craft to release things or, Oh, that which no longer serves me. I need to find some kind of energetic craft to help me release. I just fuck that. Like I just release that shit. And <laughs> what, I, what I use craft for is amplification. I always use craft and, and, and spell working toward personal amplification, personal strength and toward, do you see what I'm saying? I never use it towards severing or destruction for myself to release things. I use it toward, I need more power. I need to amplify my, what I already have so that I can always defeat the foes. Does, does that make any, you know what I'm saying? So it I don't really does, but that sound, it, it makes sense, but it sounds like you're a special snowflake. It sounds very <laughs> specific because when I think of myself, when I think of my coaching clients, when I think of my friends, like we have attachments. You just seem very free. Like you were talking about um, not having a lot of fear and just being able to move right into the creative process and produce and produce. And I, a lot of us, mortal people we have all these fears and we have these attachments and we know somebody's bad for us but we just can't let them go so for a lot of us it's like in a lot of energetic work we have to do to get to the place where we can finally just end that relationship stuff like that i feel like is challenging for a lot of us and so a lot of our magic ends up being focused on that maybe it's not the most productive use <laughs> of our time but for some of it it's necessary that's you know what's interesting is it actually so in, in terms of my personality and approach there's the positive side that's constructive but there's also sort of the darker side um just sort of in terms of my personal life i i am very like if something is talked like a person a relationship anything is i don't feel like it serves my greater good i i cut it out and then i i never look back and so in terms of past relationships exes like all of my relationships, as soon as I feel like this really isn't serving my greater end goal, I just cut it out of my life and I never look back. Again, um, that's like freedom. You just have a lot of personal freedom, I think. <laughs> but and, and people hate that. They're like, wait, what? What? You know, and so a lot of people, I've, I've, you know, made enemies or people have really been like, wow, she's such a total bitch because of that. Because I don't really think about, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not good. I'm, I'm not saying this is a good thing. I just cut people out. I don't explain myself and I move on. It's a, yeah, it's a, I mean, a I shadow guess, side. I guess it. being on the receiving end of that could hurt your feelings. But also there's a way to look at that as like, wow, like we literally could be that free. Like why are why do we suffer over these? Like you already know this isn't working. Why suffer a day longer with it? Yeah, I think that's my my sort of approach. But I could I could be more graceful with the way I sever ties. <laughs> It's interesting. I mean, there's the light and dark in everything. In yeah. Ev in everything. Then we, sure. yeah. So that's fascinating. Something for the rest of us to work toward. <laughs> more freedom, more freedom. More. I've found too, you seem to be, really exemplify this. I have found in working with Saturn, um, I've come to see the freedom of structure, how discipline and structure sets you free. And it, mentally, energetically, it frees up your willpower. And I see that you're very much in the flow with that. 
I think um, one of the things I said while I was doing this deck is um, one of one of the lessons to learn is you have to um, two things that the occultist needs to do and you need to do both. Neither can be missing from the final formula. You have to set rules and do your best to abide by those structured rules and the rules represent the values you seek to manifest and aspire toward. But then you also have to break the rules. I think at some point, if you don't break the rules you've set, you haven't evolved to that next advanced step. So it's about setting rules so that you establish your own values, but then knowing when to break the rules and sidestep those values for something greater. And I think both need to happen as the occultist. Right. Well, you created the metaphysician day planner. So I assume you're a planner nerd of sorts. <laughs> yeah. So you must have had some kind of plan in place for 2018, but it doesn't seem like creating this tarot deck was part of it so no it was not right (laughs) so did you have to push things aside to make space for this yeah absolutely and then you know you 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 take a lot of pains deliberating that that push like what should you do you know like you have to think things through very carefully and artfully but then once you've made your decision you execute and you don't look back and so I think that's another thing that I do I I take a lot of time to carefully think through my actions then I take the action and I never second guess or go back and ask what if Mm -hmm. yes that is a that's a nerdy Tony Robbins thing I learned. Like never well his thing is never leave the site of a decision without making an action on it and to decide is to literally cut yourself off from all other possibilities and you're just on board. Like from this moment forward I have made a decision, I decide. And and then you're off. Yeah, and I think if you're looking at it from the occultist point of view, when you um, ask what if or you every thought that you think about in terms of the other thing or the thing that you didn't do is energy you're taking away from the thing that you're doing. And so that's why you hold yourself back is because in sort of a logistical sense, technically you're taking energy away from that main focus and diverting it to something else, which isn't even taking form. And so you're wasting your own energy. And so if I'm going to do something, I focus all of my energy on the decision I've made so I can actually complete the task. If I keep thinking about other things, I'm literally wasting my energy. Oh my gosh, I have to pull up this quote that I just posted because today, just so we're traveling back in time for people listening to this because it's not going up till next Tuesday, but (laughs) today is a Tuesday. It's the Tuesday before this will post and it also happens to be J.K. Rowling's birthday and uh, this quote is so on point with what you said, so I just pulled my own Twitter page up to read this. It says, I stopped pretending to myself that I was anything other than what I was and began to direct all my energy into finishing the only work that mattered to me. Yeah, that's the perfect quote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that direction of energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the productivity podcast. I'm really loving this. <laughs> So when when will people actually be able to get this their hands on this tarot deck? Well, right now I'm working through the logistics of um, manufacturing. I didn't want to go the path of Kickstarter because of how much money Kickstarter takes. You know, so whatever you raise, you know, you have to remember a lot of it actually goes first to Kickstarter. And so if you're able to bootstrap the funds yourself, there's absolutely no logical reason to go the path of Kickstarter because it's just giving away free money. And so I, I just didn't want to do that. So we're bootstrapping it by ourselves. Um, we're looking for manufacturers. And so right now I'm going through the price quote quite process. 
it basically at this point in the, in that sense it is a little bit out of my control because it depends on the turnover times of the manufacturers right so i'm done with what i need to do and now it's just about finding a manufacturer to produce it but also finding the legit like you know should I use a matte finish? Do I want gold gilted finish? Is it glossy or is it matte? You know, how do I do the borders? You know, what color? You know what I'm saying? So now it's just all that technical stuff that is, that's at play. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because it's, as far as I can tell, unless unless you have plans to change it, it's a black and white deck. So right. I was wondering if you would make the the card stock something that people can, can add to if they want to, like to, I don't know, bust out their crayons. It's a matte finish. I definitely want it matte. I don't know. I just never really like the glossy semi sheen thing. So it's matte. And because it's matte, I think for sure you can color it or color specific symbols in it if you want. So that's definitely something. And because I'm so into tarot, um, there are a lot of things I try to consider like, okay, so my deck will have white borders, but the imagery on both sides need to be in such a way so that if somebody wanted to cut the borders and trim it into a borderless deck, it won't take away from anything. Like for example, the card back designs. I thought about that as well. Or being able to trim, you know, the top caption or just trim the bottom caption. So I was like, oh, so there's a lot of sort of the technical stuff that you have to think about in in case somebody wants to do something to their tarot deck. Mm -hmm. I love the idea of people, because this deck, the origins of it is so deeply personal and symbolic to you. I love that people could take like a really fine tipped, you know, fine tipped set of markers and and then start adding their own symbolism and colors to it and then making it personal for them yeah for sure and i think that's going to be part like the book of maps talks about that so i think that the it's kind of like a code you know there's a language that's um created well there's like a program you know like an app in a sense that's created from the com- the total sum of all of the lines i've drawn that's encoded into this tarot deck but those lines aren't necessarily physical so it's not limited to one physical copy. As long as you work with the collective set of lines on any medium, it transfers over to any use of any set of any copy of those lines. You know what I'm saying? So you can do the ritual coloring in the book of maps. So ritual coloring into, in effect, a coloring book, or you can actually ritual color one tarot deck set and then use any tarot deck set from the Spirit Keepers and already be linked in or dialed into that connection. Fascinating. So cool. I'm realizing too, like we should just bring it down to fundamentals. What do you think tarot is? Why? Why should we ever pick up a tarot deck? Um, I think it's different things for different people. And there's the exoteric side and the esoteric. I think if you are an atheist and you have no interest in personal spirituality, a tarot deck by virtue of its symbolism and even just understanding very, very rudimentary numerology or suits anything like that or just even just copying the ideas out of a a textbook you can trigger your creativity because it's it's that creativity through structure there's a structured closed system within the tarot deck even if you look up every card in a book you read those quote-unquote like rules or guidelines and it can and trigger your own creativity and your own intuition to help you make decisions. And so even if you have no interest in spirituality, I think the tarot is very useful in terms of um, pushing you to think creatively by looking at it through a different perspective. And then 
um, what Spirit Keepers Tarot does and sort of the esoteric side is I do think it's a nexus into a spirit realm. It's the, the bridge between the physical world and the spirit psychic world. And so you can use that bridge to cross over thresholds and, and work with like, you know, the whole roster of spirit entities and spirit entities being sort of a reflection or, or, or personification of archetypes and emanations in the psychic mind. I have no words. Sorry. I'm listening to you like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, that it all makes sense. It's all fascinating. I, the way I personally, I, I don't know what I think. I've done channeling, a lot of channeling in my past, and I love reading cards. And I kind of go back and forth between deciding what it is I'm communicating with. Like, am I communicating with something outside myself or am I just communicating with my higher self or my soul? But there's some interaction that happens to the point where I'll laugh. Like, cards come up and I feel like, ah, ha, very funny, you got me there. You know, <laughs> like, I feel yeah. like I'm interacting with something, you know, that is at least not my everyday linear logical mind. Mm-hmm. I think if I if I'm going to get really into sort of faith driven religious um, explanations for that, I think, you know, on some level you can link into you like you're opening a door and you can link into anything from that energetic realm. And what I hope Spirit Keepers Tarot and the Book of Maps does is provide structure. So it's like, okay, now you've learned how to access that other side. Don't just let whatever come through willy nilly and you don't really know like what is coming through or whatever happens to come through comes through. Instead, be the one in control, hold the power and be the one who intentionally sets what can come through, what cannot come through. And so you you program yourself to to channel or tap into very specific like regions of that inner temple or that inner landscape. So you, you go to very, very specific spirit entities or ancestors or whatever, and be very specific about what you're channeling rather than sort of just opening yourself up and, you know, seeing what comes through. Do you know what I'm saying? Like there's the two paths you can do whatever comes through, but there are, I think sometimes, you know, ways that that can, lead us astray or we we don't have control in those instances we're just receiving information and hoping for the best i think to have control you have to know how to set intentions and program how you like it's kind of using a gps system in the spirit realm yeah that makes sense i i don't have a lot of belief systems around this <laughs> but the way i originally learned how to channel was by focusing and saying, I ask all high guides from the white light and love from the fifth dimension and above to join me now. And it worked like magically. That's, that's magically. setting though. That's control. Right. But that's what I'm saying. Like that worked for me and the energy that came through and the inner information that came through, I've just constantly tapped into that and always used that invitation, whether I'm doing tarot or channeling, because I know like, okay, whatever this is, it feels like God. It feels like a loving, benevolent force that's looking out for me and that's helping me. So I've just always kind of stuck to that opening line there because it's, I'm like, well, this works. I'm not, no demons were popping up in my living room. So I'm feeling pretty good about it. So I've been doing that now for, gosh, I don't know, maybe 15 years or more. Yeah, absolutely. That's but that's exactly that's control setting. That's intention setting. You're controlling sort of the narrative. Whereas I think um, when when people don't use some kind of a prayer or some kind of intention setting, what ends up happening is, you know, anything can come through. I think the best example I can think of is like, you know, a bunch of junior high kids sitting around a Ouija board. You know what I'm saying? Like that's sort of the 
the metaphor for that. You, you don't want to be a bunch of junior high kids sitting around a Ouija board. You, you kind of want to be very controlled and, like you said, a prayer to set the intentions and to, to set up boundaries and filters and wards and things like that. Yeah, I again, I don't know how much belief I have around all of that, but I do, I must have some kernel of belief because I do have fear. There's there's one <laughs> occultist who I was friendly with online for quite a while and was interested in her work and she talked a lot about demons and angels and dark entities and stuff and I had this dream once where I was like, "Okay, show me what you do." kind of thing. And mm -hmm. and all of a sudden like there was some dark force and I was being sucked out the window and after that dream I'm like, "I'm actually never going to go." <laughs> <laughs> Look at her stuff online because there's, I don't know, it felt like a subconscious warning, like, yeah, this isn't for you. Yeah, in those instances, I think fear is healthy and important, you know, so there's different types of fear, right? But you have to be very sort of knowledgeable of yourself. There are times when fear is absolutely sort of a, a warning sign from your higher angels. And so listen to your fear when if you know yourself, if you know yourself, you should always listen to your fear. But if you're like, you know, if you don't really understand yourself, fear can sometimes actually be something even darker, trying to get you to, to sidestep your path. So it's complicated, right? Yes, know thyself. It all comes back to that for sure. Yeah. I, I have had a great relationship with my dreams. They have been very helpful. They're, they're my friends. <laughs> They've kept me out of trouble. They've tried to keep me out of trouble. And I've been like, fuck you. I'm just going to do this thing anyway. And then I'm like, okay, yeah, I should have listened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So are, do you personally believe that there are dark forces or demonic energies and all that scary stuff? Oh, it's really tough. Um, I'm open-minded and I think I'm just open-minded about it. Does that make it? I mean, I don't, I don't want to not answer the question. It's just that I think I'm careful and I believe that there is something that is always there to try to sabotage. And it's not always external. It can be external and very sort of physical, but it can also be something that I've conjured up myself and that I'm just projecting outward because I don't want that to be me. And so, you know what I'm saying? Like you don't want yourself to be the demon. And so you project outward and say, oh, that devil over there in the corner made me do it, but it was just you, but you can't face the reality that you are the devil. And so I think I'm very conscious of that. And so I don't know if I believe in dark energy in sort of that sort of that sense, but I do believe in sort of, you know, checking myself. I know that's not an answer. No, but... it kind of is. <laughs> the best, the closest I can get to it is what we were saying with the metaphor of your body and like a, can a cancerous yeah. cell or an autoimmune condition where you're attacking yourself and maybe evil is the absence of the light of awareness of knowing what you actually are. Yeah. So I don't think of evil in like, you know, red horns, the tail, like, you know what I mean? I, but I do think there's something to it that I have to constantly be mindful of and constantly check for. So even in terms of when I was creating this tarot deck, I would anoint myself with holy oil. I would do prayers. Um, I only did it with enclosed sacred space. And every so often I would kind of like look around and, you know, kind of like, you know, you know, measure the temperature of the room, so to speak, you know, and just kind of make sure that I'm constantly working toward a higher good toward beneficence. And so I, I so if I if I didn't believe I wouldn't have done that, right? Hmm. Yeah, yes. Yeah, that's why I'm saying too for myself, it's like, I don't really believe but I must on some level because I do yeah. have like a certain respect or a fear that that puts up certain walls. 
Yeah, exactly. So it's hard to answer that quickly. You know, I'm like, I want you with my mouth say no, but then at the same time, I'm like, all my actions prove yes. Yeah, I think I think if you grow up, I grew up in religious fundamentalism, Mennonite brethren, and you finally end up rejecting at least the fundamentalist component of it. For me, that was a rejection of Satan and hell. And and now I've come to see we make our our the way I perceive it is we make our own heaven or hell here on Mm -hmm. earth with the choices that we make. But I don't believe in a literal, you know, hellfire and brimstone with the red dude with the pitchfork sitting down there waiting to get me. (laughs) I think it's an, an excellent analogy that is, you know, like a good metaphor that has been taken way too literally and way too far. But once you reject that, I feel like it makes you more sensitive to other people trying to bring conversations up around that. You know, you just, for me anyway, that's how I was about it. Like, don't talk to me about demons, okay? Because <laughs> I've, I've like rejected Satan and hell and I just don't even want to go there. Yeah, I think there is something beneficent and malefic out there of some kind, but I think transcendence, um, all forms of transcendence, no matter what religion you're talking about, there is that path we all have to walk to reject fundamentalism. Even the pagan path has very deep-rooted fundamentalism that um, even if you're strictly pagan, you have to get over that fundamentalism to get to the other side and toward transcendence. So um, for some, it's a form of established religion. For others, it's just fundamentalism within something that is perceived as non-fundamental. But there, it's always there, that energy of the hierophant. And you have to sort of break through that to the other side in order to sort of really transcend. And even if you are Christian or Buddhist or Jewish or Muslim, you still need to break through fundamentalism, fundamentalism to truly transcend and achieve union with God. I would even say that's true for atheists. <laughs> yeah, atheism is very fundamentalist. It starts becoming its own religion in a weird way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This was fascinating. Such a good conversation. Uh, I can't remember if I asked you this before, but I like to end these interviews with this question. So I'll ask it again. Um, what is your one tip for creating the kick-ass life of your dreams? Um, it's very sort of foo-foo. It's just believe in yourself. You know, like you have to have, you have to have this very, very fundamental, unshakable, um, you know, view that you have something of incredible brilliance, genius, and value to add. And if you don't begin there, I think it's really hard to manifest. So you have, and you know how they talk about the magician's ego, right? There's a, there's a kernel of truth, the idea of the magician's ego. You have to believe um, there's, there, there's an inner connection to the God principle that it makes you divine. And that's why whatever you produce has value. I don't think that's foo-foo. I mean, I think it's so, for you, uh, you know, as an example of that, it's actually very practical. (laughs) You know, we started off talking about, like, how are you going from the spark of inspiration to manifestation and and belief in yourself, your own sense of value and self-worth and having a purpose? Like, why should we have Benabelle win if, like, every thought she has is, is... insignificant you know like you just don't even go there and that's how we get all of this awesome content 
I, yeah, I think everyone needs to begin there. And I think one of the things people hold themselves back with is, well, you know, oh, that person is, you know, well, they can believe in themselves because they're great, they're pretty, they're this, they're that. Well, I'm not all that, or they have privilege, I don't have this. I, I think when you begin from a place of have not, it's really hard to break the cycle of poverty or break the cycle of, of be, you know, being held down. So any sense of, uh, of cycle of marginalization, to break it, you have to believe that you're almost in a sense superior like does that make like you have to believe that you can you can have to believe you're as you're the equal to all the grades if you don't believe you're the equal to all the grades you won't break the cycle that chains you down yeah well and, and we can take this back to god if if god <laughs> if we are all each an individual drop of god I, I love this i love this perspective of we are each these little tiny like facets of God, right? Here for God to experience itself, then every single one of us is not only equal to the others, but totally necessary to give your gifts to the world is that's your purpose. That's why you're here. Like we need, yes. we need what you got to have the whole experience. And the only difference between the have and the have not or the person who's great and successful and in the limelight and somebody who's not is that one person has realized the inner God who has sort of channeled the inner divine genius and the other person has not. That's the only difference. Yeah. And I, I do think someone's purpose could not be to be in the limelight. Like I think exactly. each of our purposes is different. They fit together like a giant jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this was awesome. So peop tell people where they can find you. Um, BenabelleWen.com is a good place. I'm also on Twitter um, as Tarot Analysis or Instagram, Bellwen, B-E-L-L-W-E-N. Perfect. Thank you so much. This is wonderful. Thank you, Joanna. Yay. Bye, everybody. Much love. Peace.